Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back. FixTheNation.com. One more time. One more night on the 100 hard days toward our election. Um, okay. Going to throw you a curveball tonight. So I'm going to start with a couple details. I'm going to get to the meat and potatoes of the night because I had a curveball. So a couple things. One is I had a guest over today. And uh, she visited our house, and you know, talking to my myself and my wife, and we were talking about politics. And I'm like, I had this 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 uh, it was a vision, this this perception about her, and I just I just perceived her a certain way, and she surprised me because I'm like, you know, who are you gonna vote for? She's like, oh, I don't really know. I'm like, really? Yeah, I I just I I look at her and I don't like her, you know. But then I, you know, look at him and he's a two-year-old, and that's the word she kept coming back to. She kept coming back to that word over and over again. Couldn't trust her, but he's a two-year-old. Couldn't trust her, but she's a, you know he's a two-year-old. And I don't disagree, because if you perceive Trump as a politician. He's a two-year-old. If you perceive him as a New York scrapper, he's normal. So it kind of depends on perception, right? But it's really interesting having her say it because, one, I was surprised it came out of her because my perception of her was, I don't know, I'm going to call it, you know, left to center. I just thought she'd be a Hillary person. That's not an accusation. It's just... Yeah, you know, like I had those ideas about your friends that, you know, oh, totally thought you were that way. You know, here's a side note <laughs> on perception level. Going back to high school, we're graduating high school, and I have two best friends, and they're going to have graduation parties. One is rigidly raised by strict parents, and one is very liberal parents of the 60s. So, of course, you can tell where the good party's going to be, right? So I go to the first party, and the very, very, very strict parents look right and say, hey, congratulations. By the way, here, here's a glass of wine. And I was like, what? We get to the second party, and there's a huge ice chest of beer. They've got, you know, kegs tap. they got a whole bit like that. And mom and dad both approach me, look me right in the eye. His mom and dad, by the way, look me right in the eye like, not for you. Whoa. Talk about perception being completely inaccurate and wrong. Right? Back to today. So my perception, my friend, is completely wrong. So she has a perception about these two candidates. And I can't really disagree because, yeah, Hillary's a liar. Okay? You know, yeah, he acts like a two-year-old from time to time. I get it. Trump's got issues. She's been in this for 35 years, ballpark. He's been in this game for, boop, 13 months. Why don't you think about that? 35 years to hone your profession and craft versus 13 months to jump in to lead the largest superpower in the world, having been a businessman 
and doing things your own way. Kind of, I'm okay, like off book, out of, out of the public eye, right? It's not like he was, you know, a prime minister, she was a queen, and now they're fighting for the world title. No. He's never done this before. I guess that's the rub. All comes down to it. Do you believe he can get it done? Or do you just want to go, oh, that safe bet. Oh, we're just going to stay with what we know. Why change? But you remember that word, change. It's important. It's going to be impactful tonight in the meat and potatoes what we're talking about. First off, family, myself and my family, went to a, a little uh, miniature golf place. I mean, we had never been to this place before. Really enjoyed it. It's beautiful. You know, props to the wife for actually finding this and dragging our butts over there. We had a great time. Followed immediately by dinner in a restaurant we had never been in before. We had a great time. Both places. Now, why do I bring that up? Because we're talking politics. Right. What are we also talking about? Change. Right? Change. Remember that word. Critical. Critical. Change. Yeah, it's only tr- it's a new restaurant. It's pitch golf. No big deal. Kind of. I got a tip for you, people. When's the last time you did something completely off? Just off your norm, out of your game, crazy land. Because we are, in fact, creatures of habit. It's what we are. It's who we are. Embrace that because it's what you are as a human being. There's no getting around it. I don't, you know what? Even if your norm is to be outrageous, you're outrageously consistent, aren't you? No matter what you are, you're consistently that way. You're a creature of habit in whatever it is you do. So am I. We all are. We don't change easily. Well, but hey, dude, why are you bringing this up? Change so important. Because, two things. One is, In 2016, we have had an outrageous, fundamental, just tectonic shift in the campaign normalcy. If you talk to any single pundit, media outlet, politician, guru, historian, anybody you want to talk to about this campaign overall, both sides of the aisle, you will get one singular reaction. Whoa, has this been crazy. GOP, you mean tell me guys who've never run before beat 16 other people who had track records till just infinity and beyond? He beat governors and sitting senators he, oh, really? He beat people with huge campaign troughs. And he beat them on a shoestring budget. Never 
been elected before. She got taken to the Woodhouse by a 74-year-old squirrel-haired socialist. But that man's message was, one, sincere, two, passionate, three, resonated with a whole bunch of people who are just damn pissed off about what normalcy or habit or status quo is. People want change. That is, in fact, this year. Like it, don't like it, don't really care. But you need to understand the beast of burden of 2016. This is the year of change. It is. So in that speak, I had the TV on this morning, and there's a little bit of a, a news blip. I caught my ear. I'm like, but that, that sounds interesting. I'm curious. Let me dig. So I did. So now here we go down a rabbit hole. We're going to come out the other end. I promise. We'll let you, you know, we'll let you hang. Little Blip was about Mark Morial. Now he happens to be the president, CEO of the National Urban League. Forty year old call it group, association, whatever you call it, of people that support inner city, specifically black American, but minority. Call it poverty, kind of fight that war. And what he did is he released Main Street Marshall Plan. Okay. Basically, it's the state of black America. And I, I went through this and I read it. I'm like, you know what? That's got, that has my attention. So I'm bringing it to you because he brought it to me. And we're going to deal with this tonight because it, it, it's going to make a lot of what happens this year seem real. It's real time what has to happen. Trust me, we'll get there. So I want to read this to you. Declaring that the state of black America is locked out of economic, social, and educational equality, National Urban League President CEO Mark Morial said in his State of the Black American Address this week that at least $1 trillion, $1 trillion, that's a T, must be invested in America's urban communities in order to bring a semblance of justice. Quote, as President Obama wraps up his final months as the nation's first African-American president, we begin to assess the progress black America has made under his administration. How well has the nation recovered from the worst economic crisis it has seen in generations? How much closer to the goal of universal health care coverage has the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, gotten us? As President Obama himself said in his commencement address at Howard University, my election did not create a post-racial society. Morial said, Mr. President, you are right. The 2016 National Urban League Equality Index tells an all-too-familiar story of persistent racial disparity in American life. 
Your presidency has made a difference. Yet we cannot, in eight short years, eliminate America's long-standing challenges around racial inequality. An enthusiastic audience of hundreds packed into the night studio in downtown D.C.'s Museum, May 17th, in commemoration of National Urban League's 40th annual Black, uh, sorry, State of Black America. With this milestone, 40th anniversary State of Black America, the National Urban League proposes a sweeping and decisive solution to the nation's persistent social and economic disparities. We call it the Main Street Marshall Plan, moving from poverty to prosperity. Morial said in his speech, which was also live-streamed and televised on C-SPAN, this bold and strategic investment in America's urban communities requires a multi-annual and multi-pronged commitment of $1 trillion over the next five years that would course correct our main streets. The following are some of the $1 trillion solutions from the National Urban League perspective outlined in this year's State of Black America report. Universal Early Childhood Education a federal living wage of $15 per hour indexed for inflation, a plan to fund comprehensive urban infrastructure, a new Main Street small and micro-business financing plan focusing on minority and women-owned businesses, expansion of summer youth employment programs, expanded home ownership strategies, Expansion of the Earned Income Tax Credit. Targeted re-entry workforce training programs administered through community-based organizations. Doubling the Pell Grant program to make college more affordable. Expansion of financial literacy and home buyer education and counseling. Expansion of the Low Income Housing Voucher Section 8 program. Establishment of green empowerment zones in neighborhoods with high unemployment. Affordable high-speed broadband and technology for all. And lastly, increased federal funding to local school districts to help eliminate resource equity gaps. He continues, to stress the urgency of the improvements, Morial gave the results of National Urban League's 2016 Equality Index of Black America, which is a calculation to illustrate the level of disparity and inequality in specific categories. He said the overall equality index of African Americans currently stands at 72.2% compared to revised 2015 index of 72. Others are as follows. Education took the biggest rise, going from 76.1 up to 77.4. Economics went from 55.5 up to 56.2. Social justice went from 60.6 up to 60.8. Civic engagement declined sharply over the last year, from 104 down to 100.6. Health declined slightly from 79.6 down to 79.4. Morell's speech was punctuated with graphics, including a video to stress the pains experienced by African Americans such as police killings of unarmed people. Another graphic was a photo of former National Urban League Executive Director Vernon Jordan, who served from 1971 to 1981. 
The organization uh, was introduced by Jordan 40 years ago. Morial referred back to that time four decades ago when Jordan rolled out the first SOBA uh, state of black, uh, black America as a message to the next president. He quoted Jordan, It is our hope that this document will pierce the dark veil of neglect that has thus far smothered efforts to right the wrongs of the past and the present. I hope it will be, the, be read closely in the White House and in Congress, that it will influence decision makers to open their eyes to the plight of black Americans. I hope it will be read by all the candidates to both, in both political parties whose campaigns largely exhibit a refusal to grapple with the concerns of black citizens. I urge black people to educate themselves to the issues, to register, and to vote in the upcoming primaries and elections. For this election could be the most crucial in the recent history for black people. The implications of the mass imposterment in uh, the implications of the mass impoverishment of blacks and the massive assault on our newly won rights demand that every black vote be mobilized in defense of black interests and aspirations. That was Vernon Jordan's message to the next president. My message to the next president is this the disparities are real, the conditions are tough. The times demand real leadership. Does our nation have the leadership and the will to confront yesterday's problems to forge a better tomorrow? And that is the state of black America. Okay. I thought it was really, really well written, number one. Number two, there's a lot of stuff in here that I think we need to deal with because there are references and points that I think we can agree with. Now the question is, how do we get it done? Let's go to the end. The times demand real leadership. Does our nation have the leadership and the will to confront yesterday's problems and to forge a better tomorrow? Okay. I'm going to take a step back. I asked you to remember a word before. I asked you twice to remember a word before. Say it out loud, Matthew. Count of three. One, two, three. Change. Remember that? I asked you, right? Okay. You can't look back at history and say we had problems. And look at today and say we have problems, those same problems, and not change things moving forward. It's impossibility. Okay? If you do that, you are Einstein's definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Okay. Either you're either okay with that that result, in this case oppression or poverty. Or you just don't get it. Change is needed. That's that's what he's asking for from the National Urban League. That's, in fact, what I'm asking for. And I'm no, nowhere close to him on the political spectrum. But he and I are asking for the same thing. I like what's written here. I agree with most of what's written here. We're going to go through this. But the big piece of it that we need to understand is change needs to happen to affect their world, right? This is the black community is struggling, is frustrated, is oppressed. They have not gotten where they need to get. We have spent trillions of dollars over decades and haven't moved the needle. 
You know what needs? We need to change tactics because what's always happened over decades doesn't get it done. You with me? You with me? Did you hear what I just said? So here's the key. Ready? Think about our candidates right now. One is the status quo, has been there for 35 years, has been there, done that, and will always do what she's always done. That is who she is. She is a defined person. There is no way that tiger changes her stripes. She is what she is. Lover, hater is who she is. She's a defined candidate, period. We need change. She's not change. I don't know how else to say it. So now we have Donald Trump to deal with. He is not the most polished individual in the world. I grant you that. But in his corporations, he's treated people equally. In his life, he's treated people equally. He is absolutely a breath of fresh air. He is absolutely the voice of change. He is absolutely, by the very definition of the awkwardness he brings to the campaign, he is not a politician. This is not somebody who has spent his life in civil service, his life in public office, his life saying what we want to hear and doing what needs to be said and done to get reelected, because that's his only job in life is to get reelected. No matter what he does in office, his job is to get reelected. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Every congressman, senator, etc., just wants to get reelected. Name the last person that fought your fight, won your fight, and came back to fight another fight for you. Nope. Most of them just go to office, try really hard, tell you how close they came, ask for another chance, and get reelected and go right back to the froth. Do they really want to solve our problems? That's a true, that's a true question, by the way. Does the establishment truly want to solve your, my problems. I've got a tip for you. I was on the radio the other day. and Well, not the other day. A couple weeks ago. And the session right before me happened to be my congressman. And he said something which really caught my attention. And he said something along the lines of this. There are people, and this is the sitting congressman, someone who's in D.C. There are people in office right now that have answers to the very problems they want to solve, but they don't solve them. He was asked why. Because if they did, their money would dry up and their base would go away. So in order to get reelected, in order for self-gratifying result, they don't fix the core issue. I want you to think that through and try not to get as pissed off as I was. 
You mean to tell me someone elected in good faith to represent me, to go fight my fight, can solve my fight, can win my fight, and chooses not to because they want the power and the office for four, six, two years more? Really? That just gets me and oh, that just makes me crazy. Doesn't make you crazy? If you if you pull the lever for somebody, don't you expect their best efforts? Don't you expect them to do their damn job? When you show up at work, what does your boss ask of you? Punch a clock and do nothing or show up and do the best you can? I didn't say be perfect, did I? I didn't say that. I didn't say never make a mistake. I said try hard. Best efforts. But when you can close a deal that's going to make your boss money, what the hell responsibility do you have? Close the damn deal. Right? If you have the ability to be a better teacher, better fireman, better steel worker, whatever it is a lot in life you happen to have, don't you have an obligation to go do that because it's what you get paid to go do? You don't get paid to punch a clock and sit there doing nothing. You definitely don't get paid to do what's against the best interest of who, in fact, pays you. In this case, politicians get paid by their constituents. That's a fact, right? I heard that. I about lost my mind. If I run for political office, that's going to be, that's going to be the reason. I'm going to have T-shirts made up with that crap on it. That's going to be the front of my skull, okay, and push me with a frothing passion every single moment in office. There's no quit when I think about crap like that. And anybody who doesn't have the exact same passion, the exact same focus, get the hell out. This country deserves better. You deserve better. Your state, your local people deserve better. Now, I'm sorry if I sound a little pissed off, but quite frankly, wow, that one got me. So here we are, creatures of the habit, and here we are in a year of change. Doesn't that just feel uncomfortable? Think about something. You do understand that in this, this year of change... As a creature of habit, a lot of people around you are uncomfortable. And uncomfortable shows up in a lot of different ways. There are people that are really pissed off at Donald Trump. I mean, God, he's a bigot. He's a racist. He's an egomaniac. Okay. Oh, but I can keep going on. And the other side goes, oh, my God, but her? She's a liar. She should be in jail. Scandal this, scandal that. Enable this. Establishment this, right? Oh my God, they hate her. They hate him. Everybody hates everybody. Then you have a group in the middle. That's like, holy crap. Who do we vote for? I don't like her. I don't like him. Now what? Oh, Johnson Stein? Psh, don't like them. Now what? 
I want to be an American. I want to go into the voting box. I want to pull the lever. I want to support my candidate, the one I'm in love with. I want, to, I want to pull the lever and put my guy, my girl in office. That person I know is going to do the best job because, man, I just, with my heart of hearts, believe that's my guy. That's my girl. That's the one who's going to get it done. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit on my couch and not vote because, God, I can't vote for these people. That's what a lot of people are thinking right now. Right? In this year of change, it hurts. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. You're going to vote for a two-year-old who throws hissy fits? You're going to vote for a liar? Really? You mean with with your heart of hearts, you're just going to love pulling that lever? No, you're not going to love pulling that lever. You know what you're going to do? You're going to hold your nose because the stench is just rancid. And you're going to stumble in that booth, and you're going to hold your nose and try to close one eye and, and, and lean over real real far, but not get too close, and you're going to pull the lever and run. Whew. Oh, then you take a breath again. Because, man, you don't want to breathe that air. It might be contagious. Then you're a two-year-old. You're a liar. Oh, and don't tell anybody who you voted for. Oh, that's the worst. You know, you put the liar-in-chief in office, oh, good luck. You put this two-year-old in office, good luck. Right? Until you do something right, then then you'll take credit for it. Right? That's kind of how it plays. So anyway, back to the uh, National Urban League. So here's a list of things. I went through the list. I'm like, you know what? Let me see if I were someone in office. Let's pretend I was a senator, a congressman. And someone walks up. Now, this is not my side of the aisle. This, is, this comes from bigger government side, the way this is written. This is a give me money list. I'm like, well, is a hell no get away from me? Or is there some way we can make this work? And that's going to be the moral of the story, this whole meat and potatoes piece. going to deal with it off the cuff. Universal early childhood education. My guess is probably referring to daycare. Okay, what's government to handle that? All right, let's just just park that one for a second. The second one is a federal living wage of $15 an hour indexed to inflation. Okay, that's a no. Now, that's a no, and he should know better, and he needs to understand why he shouldn't even be asking for that. If he reads my platform, he'll get more money on the minimum wage. But he'll do it because the economy takes off and people have to pay wages higher to keep people in their building. Okay? The reason he's paying $15 an hour, he wants to pay $15 an hour, is because Obama set a number. You know why Obama set a number? Because Obama let radically more immigrants in this country than ever before. We have the highest foreign-born nationals in our country, all right, 40 million, by the way, since the 1920s, highest percent. That's a fact. It's also a fact that the more immigrants you have, it erodes the minimum wage and it erodes the middle class income. So both those categories get eroded because your immigration is just too high to handle. 
not only can you not assimilate them into the culture, but they affect labor and they water down wages. He's asking for money because the president, who happens to be African-American, has diluted the pool away from him. I want you to think of that one through. The first and only African-American president has done what's wrong to the African-American community. That's a translation. That's also a fact. I'd stand in front of him, in front of the National Labor League. I'd say exactly the same thing, the exact same way. More information is critical. Next one is a plan to fund comprehensive urban infrastructure. I'd like more details on that. What infrastructure would you like to fund from a national level? Again, this is federal money. Let's fund what? Fund streets in a city? That's not their job. Fund buildings in a city? That's not their job. Fund schools in a city? That's not their job. Fund broadband. Fund electric. Fund gas. Fund cable. Fund water. Fund sewer. None of it is their job. That's a local and state issue. You're asking for something that shouldn't be asked of the national government. A new Main Street small and micro business financing plan focused on minority and women-owned businesses. Completely agree. I completely agree with that one. In fact, I found him money. I found him $75 billion to put toward that. I'll get that at the end. Expansion of summer youth employment programs. Again, I'd like to understand what he means by that. I've never met a federal government that employs people. They employ government agents. They don't create jobs. The government does not create jobs. The government creates the environment where localities create jobs. Businesses create jobs. Economies breed a velocity that demand jobs. If you want more jobs, go work with your local community businesses and go get those established. Expanded home ownership strategies. This one made me nervous. It took me back to 2008. When the bubble burst, what was one of the things that came out of the bubble? How come these people qualified for loans? How could they possibly do that? I'm not going to give people homes that can't justify paying for it and having enough money to make this happen on a consistent basis. I'm going to come back to it, but that scared me, truly. Expansion of the Earned Income Tax Credit. If you read Kevin Brady's, who's the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Tax Plan, A Better Way, that's one of the things he absolutely focuses on. That's an absolute. That's going to happen. Targeted re-entry workforce training programs administered through community-based organizations. Completely agree. Here's the problem, though. should be a private organization. Government doesn't need to play a part in that. Go find in your committee whatever large businesses, you know, represent you, and have them create a private organization that creates that kind of program. That's exactly what they should be paying to do. They will absolutely create their future employees 
and they'll be willing to sign off on that. They've got the money to do it, and you need to go find it on a local level. That's not a government job. Doubling the Pell Grant program to make college more affordable, two problems. One, Pell Grant, I want you to think about the word grant. Grant is, here's money, no strings attached. Loan is, you need to pay it back. You want to go to college? Get a loan. Pell Grant? Here's money for nothing? No. Hell no. My kids get loans. Your kids get loans. We give you money for nothing. My kids have to pay off their money. So my tax dollars pay off your grant Why my personal money pay off my kids' loans? No, that's not going to happen. Get a loan. You can make them more affordable. You can make them more established. You can do that. Okay. But then again, what did Obama do? Yep. He basically took small business, uh, the, the college loans, and took it into the government umbrella. So congratulations. You got what you asked for. Expansion of financial literacy and home buyer education and counseling. Unquestioned do I agree with that. One of the worst things we do currently is we do not educate our youth or our inner cities on finance, on, on money management, on budgeting. Okay, We do not at all elevate their level of thinking and get them out of what they've always done. Absolutely, that's something we could do. I've got another one. For, I'll come back to it. Expansion of the low-income housing voucher Section 8 program. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that's a no, but I'll put a no with a question mark because one of the things that I'd like to see is we're going to have to take a, and make a bridge of some kind. If people truly want to get out of poverty, one of the things they have to understand is there's no way to get out of poverty while the government – extend you a limited amount of benefits to keep you down. By taking government benefits, you're actually self-oppressing yourself. But you can't give it up because you can't get to a better life. We'll get that in a minute, but, but that's going to be the rub. So we've got to transition people out if, in fact, that's what they choose to do. Establishment of green empowerment zones in neighborhoods with high unemployment. I almost don't even know what that means. A green empowerment zone. Does that mean green like environmental? Does that mean green like create innovation centers? It says high employment. I have no idea. Affordable high-speed broadband for all. Um, no problem. Pay for it, get cable, go to the library, do what you need to do. That's available anywhere you want, including your cell phone. Increase federal funding to uh, local state districts, funding to local school districts to help eliminate resource equity gaps. Um, That's a no, but no in a different way. No, because I'm not a believer that the federal government should handle education to begin with. If I had my way, the federal government would become an advisory council for education and all the unfunded unfunded mandates go away and everything goes back to the states in a block grant sense and the states can decide what they want to do. Then the schools have more than enough money, oh my God, enough money 
to do what they need to do. So I completely agree with them, and there's the money for it. But you have to decide if you want big government, in which case there's no money, or if you want smaller government, in which case there's plenty of money. So a lot of it is about changing what's always been to get what you need to get, right? So as I got kind of got this in my craw and I started thinking it through, some things came to light. I'll walk you through kind of how my head works. I'll try not to scare you. Um, the premise. The premise to me was that inner city inequality exists, and it was a lag to the norm. Like, it was always behind the curve. Like, as the economy gets better, it gets better slower. If the economy gets worse, maybe it leads. Okay? The need for dramatic structural shift is necessary to fix, once and for all, the inner city poverty problem that exists. We can agree it exists, and we can agree that structural change needs to happen for it to, to be fixed. Can we agree on that from both sides of the aisle? I think the answer is yes. Okay. Let's talk about some barriers to fixing this particular issue. There's crime. You have crime in the inner city. You have crime in the minority culture, much more so than you have in the white culture. That's not an accusation. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm repeating fact. I'm repeating data. We need to fix that, and that's part of a criminal justice, criminal justice reform. It's also part of a cultural shift in getting what they think of value, the risk they need to take, needs to be refocused. Drugs is another issue. You can't have drug use, even a casual basis, and have it erode your morals, your, your, your ethics, because it's going to come out at some point in time in the future. If you want a better life, you have to act better. Work ethic, a tip for you. I run a business with almost 100 people. And one of the things I look for them to do is to bring their work ethic every single day. Not because I beat them with a stick, because I don't. I need them to bring their passion every day. Them to aim for, for excellence every single day. Single parenting, that's another one. Minority culture, you have a wide swath that have single, they're, they're single parents. I think the number I heard was something like 70%, you know, of, of kids born were to single parents. You can't do that and have a job. You can't do that. It sabotages your own future. I'm not saying don't have kids. That's not what I said. I'm not saying minorities can't have kids. That's not what I said. But if you want to make a better life, and if that's the end, ending goal, if you're anybody, you need to work with some logic. Let's me get a relationship. Let's get established. Maybe let's get a home. 
maybe then start having some kids, etc. You, you, there's a process. At no point can you skip to the end and say, hey, I'm just going to have the kids. I'm going to skip the relationship, the marriage, the home. I'm just going to write to have the kid. You can do it. But now you just bought, brought yourself a lifetime of responsibility. And that's going to get in the way of where you want to go. doesn't mean you can't have kids. It means you need to plan life a little bit more Accordingly, it also means that the other piece of the parent needs to stick around and be accountable, right? Math and business skills. I can't fathom hiring someone who can't do math or have an acumen for business. I can't fathom it. Why would I hire someone and have to train them what math is? That's not my job. I'm not a teacher. I run a business. Comfortability. Everything this day is embraced with technology. Every single thing we do has technology written all over. You want to get money out of a bank? ATM. Make a phone call? Cell phone. Want to email grandma? There you go. You think people punch hard keys and work a cash register? You think walk up to a computer and tap some touch screens? Yep. Every single waking point of life, anything about business, is now computerized and technology-driven and will only get bigger, stronger, and faster during our lifetimes. So get comfortable with it and, and giddy up. Professionalism. Big, big bucket here. Things like attitude, having a positive one. Speaking ability. Being able to articulate and speak clearly. Appearance. Are you tight? Are you sharp? Are you crisp? Are you slopping your drawers around your ankles? What about posture? Slumpy, slouchy, lazy, or you, 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 you stand tall and proud. Eye contact, direct, strong. What about positivity or energy? A couple of big things for me are accountability, reliability. Accountability is when you make mistakes, that was me. At no point can people who want a better life play the victim card. At no point can they do that. They need to be accountable for actions. That's how you grow and you learn. Reliability. You show up. Tough to have a better life if you can't show up for a job. You'll be unemployed faster than you can say it. One of the barriers you have to fight is a generational norm. And economically, we're coming up to, to a, a cusp on that. If your grandma or your grandpa did it, and your mom or your dad did it, and you're going to do it, you know what your kid's going to do? That very thing, because that's normal. So if they live off the government, so will you. If they don't go to college, nor will you. If they never move out of the ghetto or the inner city, or they never want a better life, neither will you. If they, you get my point. Generational norm. That's a brutal one. And finally, an assimilation to societal norm. You cannot be gangsta and think you're going to work in a commonplace business. 
It doesn't translate. You can in very, very, very few niche things, hip-hop, at clubs, things like that. But if you're just going to walk in a mainstream, you know, store, whatever, and be a manager, I'm not sure how you're going to do that big gangsta. You need to articulate. You need to represent. Become the, the mainstream. It doesn't affect you, the person. It means you, the professional, needs to have that kind of a face on when you, the professional, are at work. That's it. It's like playing a role. You think every actor believes in what they're doing? No, they're playing a role. It's as simple as that. Don't make more than this. That's just what it is. No big thing. Goals. Everyone can agree, I think, that coming out of poverty, you want a better life, right? Maybe some home ownership. Maybe in a business, be a business owner, right? We can probably agree that those are some great things you want to come out of poverty and have. So here comes a platform. There's no way to achieve that if the government enables you to stay down. You can have this free money as long as you don't work. You can have this free money as long as you don't make more than this. You can have this as long as you don't do this. Transitional path is necessary. There's no way to take them from where they are being enabled by the government to a better place without them feeling pain unless there's a transitional path. And there's an inherent risk in that. If they get off the government, they've got to step into something else. The little about the visual I use is if you're on a small mountain and you see a mountain across the valley and it's much, much taller and you want to be up there, you want that prosperity peak and you're on Poverty Hill, how do you get there? Well, you don't go from top to top. You know what you do? You go down, down, down the hill, through the valley, and up the other peak, all the way up the side of the mountain to the very tippy top of the peak, right? Well, that's a lot of work. You've got to walk all the way down the hill, all the way across the valley, and all the way up the bigger mountain. Oh, my God, that's a lot of work. Yep, you're right. That's a transitional path. But in the end game, where are you going to end up? In a better place where you want to be. If you want to get there, you have to find a path and go walk it. Leaders must act in best interest. Remember I said earlier about leaders who had solutions to problems that didn't want to solve it? Doesn't that make you crazy? You need your leaders to act in best interest. Do you truly think – I'm going to ask yourself an honest question. Do you truly think that Obama, who happens to be African-American or black – in the last seven and a half years, has done everything he can to better the black American community? You truly think that? You do understand that black unemployment is the highest unemployment of everybody's. You know that, right? That inner city unemployment is the highest of everybody remaining, right? You can't make this up. What, to throw $15 minimum wage out? That's the Band-Aid? That the makeup card? Leaders must act in their best interest. You have people who've been around for 40 years, and it's funny how they never fix what is. 
I got a tip for you. If you were there for eight, eight or ten years and couldn't get done for me, I'd fire you. And I'm giving real, real leniency. It wouldn't even take me eight or ten years. Forty years and you still can't get it done? You're not trying or using the wrong method. Government isn't a solution. Private is. There's no version where government solves problems. The government needs to create the environment, and the private sector needs to create an environment where people can thrive on their own. Because if you unlock a door, every person gets to run through it and go for what they want. That is the American dream, by the way. Cultural shift must happen locally. I got a tip for you. A lot of the barriers I went through are not things that get fixed by government. They get fixed at a local level. It's talking about schools and churches and leaders. We're talking about local leaders. Okay? Dealing with core root problems about challenging people and simple stuff to look better, to speak better, to act better. It's a pride issue. It has nothing to do with how much money you have or the ability to buy better clothes. Dirty you can fix, but worn can still get tucked in, right? I don't care what kind of shirt you have, tuck it in. I don't care what kind of pants you have, wear a belt, right? At what point is your underwear hanging out in your best interest? It might be cool in some sectors. It's not mainstream and will not give you the job of your dreams and get you the home that you want. That's a statement of fact. Walk into a bank looking like that and see what kind of reaction you get. Incentives must happen. People don't change behaviors unless they're incentivized. Why would I do that? Because of this. Why would you do that? Because of this. An easy example. Let's get kids drug-free. Let's let parents opt in and say, hey, listen, I want to put my kid in this program. If he tests from 10 years all the way through 18 and he's drug-free, can he get you know, college loans with zero interest? Sure can. I'd make that deal. You know why? Because I get kids off drugs. I'd kill the drug culture instantly. I'd give kids a highly motivated reason, and parents a highly motivated reason to keep their kids straight. Because that enables them to go to school and have a lot less money to pay for it. Sorry, pay afterwards. Okay? Incentivize. I didn't mandate it. I didn't micromanage it. I didn't force anybody. You don't want to do it? Don't do it. But if you want to do it, you can go find it. Because people, you're going to find something out about people. People will choose the higher path, okay, or they won't. If they choose the higher path, they'll go get it. If they don't choose the higher path, you can't force the horse to drink water. You can lead it to the trough. You can't force it to drink the water. We talked about the transitional support or path, you know, with positive options. Um, early start's critical. I'd talk about drugs in, in elementary school. I'd talk about programs ahead of them in elementary school. I'd set the table. Things 
like this. Ready? And this is a piece I was going to mention before. Mention it now. Future Business Leaders of America is a national organization. Okay? It teaches middle school and high school kids how to do business. It teaches them business acumen. How many of the inner city people have adopted that program? If they haven't, shame on them. Shame on them. You're not even using what's out there. You want a trillion dollars out of the tax trough? Why? That's embarrassing. Use what's there, people. Okay? Because I have a tip for you. Once they learn how to do business, they'll go do it on their own. It's empowerment. It creates the person. Go back to your biblical times. Ready? Okay? What was the thing, the, the thing about Jesus? Something kind of quote is, you know, if you give, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Right? Same thing in business. If you teach someone to do business, they can do that the rest of their life. They can go anywhere and do it. It's a craft. It's a, it's, it, it's a, it's a skill. And you can start in middle school. Sell it to elementary schools. They should want to be that. How many elementary school kids, middle school kids, high school kids dream about being an NBA star? Because that's their only ticket out. I want you to think how sad that is. Because I got a tip for you. I'm a good athlete. I'm not a great athlete. I could never have done it. Never. Not in my wildest dreams. I needed a different path. How did I get it? That's up to me, right? It's also up to us to put it in front of our kids. Lastly, it takes all to fix something like this. All of us. So here's the solution. Here's my recommendation. A private involvement locally, critical. Future business leaders of America program, middle and high school, okay, but again, I'd sell it to the elementary schools so you know what's coming. Start selling the value in elementary schools, just said that. Incentivize educational success, because that's critical. If you can't succeed in school, game over. Okay? So go sell that success. If you get A's or B's, what do they win at the end of it? Incentivize drug-free culture. Set a tone in community or raise the bar. Get dollars from the repatriation for small business um, association, um, especially for interstate loans. There's $2 trillion offshore. Tax it. Let it come back home. Tax 15% one time, lowest rate ever. Going to raise a quick $300 billion. Give half that, half that right, okay, to the Small Business Association and absolutely target it for the inner city youth. Private sponsorship and public assist. Get the police involved. Make a nice culture. Develop a pride program between schools, churches, politicians, parents. End victimhood and self-empower all. Leaders must deliver. The culture must commit and shift. People must change their norms. Grassroots answer is possible, but leadership is critical to our success. Folks, thank you very much. This is FixNation.com. Hope you had a great night. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the election 2016. God bless America.